and see photos online that look picture perfect. It seems as if everyone else has it all together. Then there's the rest of us. If your life is messy and imperfect, you belong at Arise this Christmas Eve. Join us for a picture imperfect Christmas. Guys, I was just so excited in that worship moment. I forgot my microphone. I do this every week. I forgot my microphone. Well, it's so good to see you guys. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise Church Denver. We want to make sure you're here for Christmas Eve for 2, 3.30, or 5 p.m. We have three different service times. But you saw kind of our theme this year, a picture imperfect Christmas, because everybody else has got the perfect pictures and perfect families, but none of us do, right? We all are like, yeah, let's admit it. We're messes. We can't get that perfect photo. So we're actually doing a giveaway, okay? So if you post your imperfect Christmas photo online, your imperfect one, okay, if you have a perfect one, we don't want to see it, okay? We know that was like one of a thousand photos that you took that was good. Okay, we want your best imperfect photo of your family from either this Christmas or Christmas's past, and if you share it online, and if you tag, um, so use the hashtag Arise Christmas, got that? Hashtag Arise Christmas, and then tag at Arise Church Denver, you enter to win a free night stay at the Gaylord Rockies. Yeah, you will enter, yeah, so all this month, that's pretty good, right? That's a great deal, and they got a lot of cool stuff going on this Christmas season over there, so um, make sure you do that, okay? Find, from seasons past, years past, it can be from 20 years ago, we don't care, we just want to see your family looking like they really are, the messes that we all are, right? So post your imperfect Christmas, and hashtag Arise Christmas, and tag at Arise Church Denver, okay? Got that? Okay, so Christmas Eve, we got those three service times, 2, 3.30 p.m. and 5 p.m., and make sure you guys are inviting your friends. Um, that'll be a lot of fun because we're all about helping people follow Jesus here. That is our mission, helping people follow Jesus. We want to help you follow Jesus and for you in turn to help somebody else follow Jesus. That's what we're all about. So if you are newish to our church, if you're newish to our church, please um, fill out that new form that's behind me on the QR code. If you're online, you can use the link. Do it right now, arisedenver.com slash new. You can take out your phone, use that QR code. If you're newish and you fill out that form, not only does it give us a chance to get to know you and help you follow Jesus, but we give $5 to the Denver Rescue Mission for every single new form that gets filled out. So yeah, we're giving hundreds and thousands of dollars to the Denver Rescue Mission because you guys are filling out new forms. That's a pretty good deal, right? So you should do it. Give a gift to somebody. We don't have any fancy gifts for you. We give a gift on your behalf to somebody in need. Speaking of fancy gifts, though, there are some Seek the One shirts. I think that's a great Christmas gift, right? You can pick up some of those in the back. Those are $20 each. We'll, we'll trust you to take care of that. There's the white boxes. We're going to take our offering at the end of the message, and you'll see in a minute why we're going to do that. Um, because today's message is not going to be in the Daniel series, not going to be in the fire, okay? Uh, and you, some of you are like, oh, bummer, I was here for that. Well, you just have to come back next week. You'll just have to come back next week. We do, are going to have two more weeks in our Thrive in the Fire series um, that, that's going to go next week. But we're doing a special message today called Maximize. Um, and um, we're, we're going to cover some scripture. I should probably pull out my table over here. But um, for those of you who don't know, before coming here um, five and a half years ago to, to be the lead pastor here at Arise Church, I was a pastor in Nebraska for five and a half years. Pastor in a small town in Nebraska. There was um, more people in my high school than there were in this town in Nebraska. So it was tiny, right? 
And when I got there, we were in, in the church, and they were celebrating my, during my time there our 125th anniversary of this church. That's pretty incredible that a church was there for 125 years. And um, we were celebrating it, so we wanted to do something big. So that as part of our celebration weekend for celebrating the 125th anniversary of our church, we went down to the old church building. Okay, even though the one we were in was built in the 60s, there was the old church building in town. Okay, some of you have been to a small town. You, you know these old church buildings. We went there, the great red brick. It, it was there in the center of town. There was nicely preserved stained glass windows, and it had actually become the place that the, the town had preserved. It became a museum for the town. And in there, you'd walk in, and there was the old organ. There was the stained glass windows. The old hymnals still had dust on them. You know what I'm talking about? Have you guys been in churches like this? Some of you grew up in churches like that, and you can picture it in your mind, the wooden pews that are so annoying. That's what I grew up in, too, and I was like, ah, oh, these pews again. But we went in there, and we sang hymns that night, and Marilyn, who was the organ player still from the old church, she was there to play the organ for us as we sang hymns together to celebrate. Now, it was fun. It was nostalgic for all those people that some of them remembered going to church in that old building. Um... But it was interesting because uh, we didn't use that building anymore, did we? Even we had realized, hey, that, that, that building didn't work anymore. We had to move into something different. And I'm, I'm saying this because a lot of churches are very good at preserving the past. You guys know what I'm talking about? Preserving the past. Some of you are, have been in churches like this, and everywhere you go on every single pew, there's a plaque. Like, each person has donated this pew and this organ, this stained glass window. I have yet to see a plaque on a urinal, though. I, I don't know why. I'm sure somebody's going to do it, and, like, they're getting what they deserve for eternity, right? Okay, hey, whoa. There's no plaques on urinals, but for some reason there's a plaque on everything. There's a hall. There's a building. There, there's something named after somebody because we all want to preserve the past, right? A lot of older churches you go into and there's all the pictures and they may sometimes even have like a museum room to remember the past. People get very good at preserving the past in churches. But we are not called to preserve. Did you guys know that? We're not. It's great. It's fun. It's nostalgic. You can see some of the past. It's, it's good that we have museums. We should not forget the past. But we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are not called to preserve. We are called to produce. So that's going to be our big idea today for our message. We're going to look at some scriptures and talk about what it means uh, for us as a church and, and our vision moving forward. But I just want to be clear about our, our, the big idea today. And this is biblical. We're going to see it in the scriptures. We are called to produce, not preserve. You guys got that? We are called to produce, not preserve. And it means way more than just our church building, though we are going to talk about our building today and what that means for our facility. But we are called to produce, not preserve. Preserve, And this actually comes from Jesus himself, from Jesus himself. So if you have a Bible, open with me to Matthew chapter 25. You can also use your smartphone. If you have the Bible app on your phone, you can find our um, event. You can go more on the bottom right-hand corner, find our events, and there, boom, Arise Church Denver. You can take notes right in the app there. But in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus teaches this parable starting in verse 14. This story, a parable, is a story that tells a deeper spiritual truth. So that's what he's going to teach, this deeper spiritual truth. And I just want to start reading in verse 14 to kind of set the story up that Jesus tells. Jesus says this, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. And what it is is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, what Jesus came to bring and usher into the world. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to him, to them, to his servants. So this rich man is giving his servants his money to take care of it. He's entrusting it to them. He's giving them a mission, a purpose for what to do while he's gone. Verse 15 It says, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Verse 16 says that the man who received um, five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. This guy's good at investing, right? He's putting the money to work. Okay, isn't that, you know, one of the basic truths, like, don't work for money, make your money work for you? Yes, you guys heard that before? (laughs) This guy understood this long before rich dad, poor dad. Okay. Verse 17, so also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Verse 18, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So these bags of gold, if you have some other versions, it might say the word talent. Okay, that was a measurement of money. It's worth a lot of money. Um, You know, we're talking about thousands of dollars here that that these people are given, tens of thousands of dollars. And they're each given a different amount of money um, that that the master sees, hey, I'm going to give you ten, I'm going to give you five, I'm going to give you one. So the first guy takes his 10, he puts it to work, right? He's investing it, or or maybe he makes a business. He hires some people, he works some land. We don't know what he does with it, but whatever he's doing with it is producing something, right? Produces. So that when the master comes back after his long journey, he's going to come back, stand before the master and say, hey, master's like, so what'd you do with the money I entrusted to you? Gave you five bags of gold. And the servant, the first one, is able to say, hey, I took that five, and I doubled it. He's probably like, yeah, I did something. I produced something with what you gave me. Produced five more. So now he's got ten that he's bringing, right? And the master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a little. Now I'm going to give you much. He gives them even more, right? It's like, this guy knows what to do with money. If you have a money manager that's doubling your money, give him more, okay? This doesn't even have to just be a biblical lesson. You guys know the same thing today, right? Double your money. That's great. Okay, I-bonds are only paying 9.6% right now. Okay, right? Like, this is good that you can double your money. So he gives him more, and he says, well done, and then says, come share in my master's happiness. The master, of course, represents God. God is saying, hey, be happy because you're producing. You have made the master happy, so we get to share the happiness together, and you're entrusted with some even bigger responsibility. See what happens with the first servant? Then the second servant comes back, and he goes up to the master, and he says, hey, you gave me two. I doubled it. Impressive too, right? He had less to work with, and he leveraged it to double. Like, that's impressive. So the master sees it. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Now I'm going to entrust you with much. Come and share your master's happiness. Same exact commendation, right? The same words of affirmation are given to this second servant because he too has produced based on what has been given to him, right? Entrusted, produced. God is happy. See what God is is desiring, what he's longing for? He wants us, he calls us to produce something. When he entrusts us with things, and it's not just our money, it's our time, it's our talents, 
It's our houses. It's our lives. It's our relationships. We have everything in our life God entrusts to us. He says, what are you going to do with it? Because what he wants is for us to produce something with it. But notice the third servant. When the third servant comes, and I want you to actually read these words starting in verse 24. It says, then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Do you know what he says? I perfectly preserved the one bag of gold you gave me. Did you notice he didn't lose any money? He didn't waste it. He didn't go out and blow it all on marijuana and Cheetos. Like, he didn't. He got it. He preserved it. He held on to it. He made sure he didn't lose anything that the master had given him. What a great job of faithful preservation. Is that what the master tells him? Because a lot of people think that way. You go to a lot of churches and they're like, God gave us this building. It's, it always comes down to the building. For some reason, we get fixated on buildings. And I'm going to talk about why in just a second. We get fixated on the buildings and we're like, we've got to preserve it, make sure it looks good, make sure the stained glasses are good. We've got to make sure that, that the pews are in order just the way they were in 1956 when they got installed. Okay, we cannot even change the color. Churches have split over changing the color of the carpet. We cannot do that. We've got to preserve what God has given us, right? For generations to come. So that they can use it 300 years from now, this building, but yet sadly, in a few years, it dies, and no one's in the building. Have you guys seen this? You drive around, churches get torn down. They get turned into dentist offices. There was an OBGYN clinic in Nebraska. There's a, a, a club downtown where you can go grind at the church. Yeah, don't, you don't have to admit, raise your hand if you've been there, Okay. We already did our time of repentance during communion, okay? You can do that later. But you see these old buildings, they get preserved so well, and yet the mission is lost. Because the purpose of a church is not the building. You guys hear me on this? It's interesting. If you look in church history, um, Jesus is the first one to really talk about the church. And he uses a Greek word when he first established it, when he, he said, and we looked at this passage this summer, uh, I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Like a pretty profound statement Jesus is saying. I will build my church. The word church there in Greek is the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia, which could be translated as the ones who are called out. The assembly of people. See, a church is the people, not the building. Never was from the very beginning. Here's the community of people. Here's the community of people that will gather. And, and the, that's what the church is, whether, whether it's the capital C church that we use to represent all the people who are followers of Jesus around the world or the lower, lower C church here at Arise Church Denver. The church is the community of God's people who are called out of the world to live differently, to love differently, to be different. And yet, when the word ecclesia in Greek got translated into German, it got translated with this word, and, and I, we have some Germans here in our church that are going to correct me, with kircha. Thank you. See, I told you someone was going to correct me. Kircha. It's much better. I listened to it a bunch of times, but German's not my thing. Kircha, okay, was the German word. 
which we then translated into English with church. That's kind of the, the progression, the etymology of this word as it was passed on, philology of that word. I mean, that's not the right word. Okay, so this word gets changed, and then the word in German, Kirche, does refer to a building. And, and in German, it can refer to both, but it got translated into English with church, and now we think, oh, the church building. What church building do you go to? And sometimes we say it too, like I say it too, like, hey, we, you know, come to the church. But when we say that, we know that it can mean a building, but more importantly, biblically speaking, it refers to the community. You guys tracking with me on this? And yet, sadly, so many people have confused the two so that church means building. And if the building doesn't exist, the church doesn't exist. But it is also the reason why we can meet in a hangar. And it means nothing. Who cares whether it's a nice, fancy brick building with stained glass windows or it's a hangar with old hangar doors? Yeah, praise the Lord. We can meet anywhere. You know, just like there are nightclubs that are moving into church buildings, there are churches that move into old nightclub buildings. And it doesn't matter. Because it's not about the building. It's not about the facility. And it never was supposed to be. So that's why when this one person says, I have preserved it faithfully, and that's what people do with their church buildings. I've preserved it faithfully. Everything looks the same as it used to. What the master actually says to this servant is this. I want you to read these words in verse 26. His master, Jesus says, talking about God the Father. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Ooh. He doesn't say, great job at preserving. You wicked, lazy servant. So you know, knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would at least have received it back with interest. Like, get one of those high-yield interest accounts, okay? Something. Something. Verse 28. So, take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how Jesus described hell. Weeping, gnashing teeth. Okay, it does not sound pleasant. Because this man did not produce. Interesting, huh? Jesus does not call us to preserve the past. But to, but to produce something for the future. Do you see this? Jesus calls us to produce, not preserve. That's the bottom line. That's the judgment here. What have you done with what you've been given? Whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, whether it's your treasures, whether it's the stuff you have, the house you live in, the relationships in your life, your kids that you raise, your parents who you talk to, all those relationships, and even the building that we're in. What have you done to produce for the kingdom with it? This is what Jesus calls us to. I think it's very clear. And it's not like it was unclear to the servants at the beginning. Like, I read through this over and over again because I was wondering, I was like, did the third guy just, like, hear incorrectly? He's like, oh, I thought we were supposed to preserve it and hold on to it and keep it. Like, no. Every single one of them knew that they were entrusted with money, that they were given money to produce something with it. They were stewards of it. Had something, you're supposed to produce with it. Even this guy at the end, he doesn't say like, oh, I didn't know. Like, I thought the mission was to preserve the money you gave me. No, he just says, I know that you want stuff to produce, but I was afraid. I was nervous. And in fear, 
It stopped him from doing what he was supposed to do. I think that's one of the main drivers of churches forgetting what it's all about. Fear. Fear of the changing world. Things are changing so rapidly. Everything's changing around us. We've got to preserve everything just the way we've done it forever, right? We can't listen to this modern music. Let's get organ back out. And guess what, guys? I just want to say this. I loved organ music as a kid. Like, we had the loudest organ in the world that was so many much louder decibel than anything we have in this building. Okay, some of you put in the earplugs. Okay, you should have heard the organ at the church I grew up in, okay? Blasting loud. Definitely loud. I loved it, okay? I actually, that was the part of church I liked. That's pews I hated, okay? Ugh. But we get so in our fear, we're like, the world's changing. I don't know if our kids are going to like this. Let's just preserve what we have. And some of you are thinking, well, Matt, you're just preaching to the choir. This is a modern church with modern music, meeting in an aircraft hangar. Like, we're, we're not any of those people. But I'm telling you this because we, too, can fall in love with this building in the same way. We can fall in love with the music that we're doing right now. We can fall in love with the way I preach right now, the way we do kids' ministry, all of that stuff. And all of that is created for a purpose, right? And what's the purpose? To produce. And to produce what? Why are we here, guys? What's our purpose? To bring others to Christ, to love others, any other? To seek the one. What's our mission here? Helping people follow Jesus. Jesus gave the great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples, make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you to the end of the age. That's what Jesus said at the very end. Here's your mission. Should you choose to accept it, right? Make disciples. Help people follow Jesus. Help more people follow Jesus. That's what it's about from the very beginning. That's the reason why he created a community, because it's really hard to do it by yourself. You need another person, and then you need a community, because then they'll think you're crazy. Why are these two crazy people showing up? You know, who are they? But if you bring them to a community, they're like, wow, there's a bunch of crazy people who believe this. And then I'm loved by these people. Wow, maybe they're living differently than the rest of the world. I like them better than all those other people. Why aren't my friends that nice and kind and loving? And then they're going to teach me. They're going to help me get out of the, the terrible things in my life. And, and then we have this whole community that comes around people to lift them up, right? That's the purpose of the church. And that's the purpose of our building, to make more disciples. So back in September, we first kind of announced that we're doing this Maximize project here, this Maximize campaign to help more people follow Jesus. Why are we doing it? Well, we are growing as a church, and we've seen a growth, and this was actually pre-pandemic. If you look at like the last five and a half years, we've kind of grown on average about 20-something percent every single year, except for 2020, okay? <laughs> that was a rough year, but hey, we just had like really one rough quarter, and then we started growing again with 20 people outside. You guys remember that, right? In the summer of 2020, most of you don't remember because you weren't here. But we started growing again, and with this growth, and we can look at the progress, and we look at it that sometime in 2023, hey, we're going to outgrow our two in-person service times. And then we're like, do we add another third service? And then, okay, what do we do after that? We had three services pre-COVID. And we, we did all this, like, projections, and, and we're, we're guessing, because 2020 blew everything out of the world, so we know that, you know, something could happen, that all our plans get thrown away. That's why we plan in pencil nowadays, Okay. But we look at it and we say, hey, we've got to maximize Hangar 61. We've got to maximize Hangar 61. We've already said we've got to maximize our parking lot. We have less than 50 spots in our parking lot. And we need 
double that for a church our size. So we got our stretch golf cart, right? Some of you rode that in, the stretch golf cart, so we can get people to a parking lot down the street. We, we don't, all the buildings, all the land around us is owned, but hey, we can, we can park down the street. Parking's easy, right, for us city people. We can park down the street, ride that limo golf cart in, um, feel like a king as I'm riding into church, right? That feels good. So we already were like, okay, we've got to maximize our parking as much as we can. And we've even said something like, hey, um, our, our building, a lot of people don't even know there's a church here. So we, we made it a goal, and you guys see our new sign that we put up. Because we want to be a light in the darkness in our city. we got to maximize our visibility. we got a place. We can put up a nice lit-up sign so people drive by at night and see it. Some of you are here today because you drove by and saw that sign. Talked with some of you. Like, we want to maximize everything we got because what are we trying to do? Produce, not Preserve. So when we're looking at our physical space, whether it's our classrooms or our seating in here, we want to do the same thing. And that's why we've done our Maximize project. And let me tell you this. I have a lot of friends that are pastors all over the city. And I I meet with some of them regularly. And I have friends that are church planners who would give anything to get into a building. Give anything. Like they'll cut off their own leg to get into a facility. Because they're meeting in schools. The schools kicked them out because of the pandemic. They have to set up and tear down every single week. It's destroying their volunteers. They're like, I wish we could just have a facility we could leave, leave stuff set up. I have other friends that are, got into a facility and the lease is like $9,000 a month and it's way too small for them. I do. I have a friend right now who's looking anywhere, trying to find any space. He's willing to go back to go mobile because they can't even fit all the people in their tiny space and they're paying way too much for it. And I look at us and I'm like, wow, God has given us, entrusted to us an incredible gift. Do you guys know we own this hangar outright? We don't owe a dollar on this building. That's incredible. We were able to fix the entire roof, because yes, you do have to do a little bit of preservation or else the roof caves in and everybody dies, okay? We fixed the roof for a quarter million dollars almost back in 2020, and we did that. God has given us this. We don't owe any debt on that. That's pretty incredible. So God has given us this facility, but it's not to preserve it. Don't tell the historic society that, okay? We'll do what you want to preserve it. But that's not why we have this building, is it? We have this building because God has placed us here, given it to us, so we can help people follow Jesus. You guys with me on that? That's why we have this building. That's why we have these lights. That's why we have the classrooms upstairs. That's why we paint the walls. We have signs. That's why everything we do is to help people follow Jesus. And we want to help more people follow Jesus. We don't want people to stop coming because we don't have enough seats for them. We don't want our kids to be turned off because their classroom just is tight and squeezed in there, okay? So that's why we've unleashed this Maximize project right now. Even with a recession looming. But it's not fear, okay? The fear was what led to the the declaration, wicked and lazy servant, right? We're not going to let fear stop us from doing what Jesus has called us to do. Wow, okay. Seriously. I was on a roll, the series like, yeah, okay, let's go. (laughs) This is what we're about. Now, some people like to say, well, hey, aren't we called to be faithful, not fruitful? This This is actually what churches say. We're called to be faithful to the end. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Okay, but look at what Jesus said about people who are faithful and not fruitful. John 15. He said, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. It's almost like 
God cares about producing, not preserving, right? Same thing. We are called to produce, not preserve. And that's why we're unleashing this Maximize project. So I want to talk through it, um, what we're doing. Um, I just wanted you guys to know the biblical basis for this. We've talked about the project now for a couple months, but now you know biblically why we're doing what we're doing, right? So we're all on the same page. You might be like, I'm not a part of that mission. Well, that's okay. That's the mission of Jesus Christ here at Arise Church Denver. If you don't want to be a part of it, go somewhere else. You can go preserve another church somewhere else. We don't care about preserving this building any more than we have to, right? We care about producing disciples for the kingdom of God. So our, our project has three different components that we are, are funding right now. The first component for the project um, is to maximize our space. So that means our, our seating and uh, adding a classroom. So that we estimate is going to cost about $60,000. We're already in the permitting process for it. Um, and I want you to see this little video right now, just a recap of what that space maximization looks like. We have launched our Maximize campaign. And this Maximize campaign is in order to maximize the space God has given us here in the incredible Hangar 61, this historic building. How can we maximize our seating? How can we maximize our space? And how can we maximize all the things that we have to reach more and more people? Some of that is going to be with physical space, with seating, with classrooms. It's also going to be updating the spaces we do have. We're also working on our AV technology because we have so many of you that are joining us online every week. And we love you guys, and we want to provide a better experience for you as well, upgrading some of our cameras and other equipment so we'll have better clarity and brightness for you watching online. So all of this project is going to cost about $180,000, and we want you guys to be a part of it so that we can invest right now so we're ready for the people when they come in the years ahead. And I want to show you right now a couple of those areas physically here in the building so you know what I'm talking about. So if you look right behind me here in the auditorium, you'll see that there is a rectangle and you can even see the edges of the rectangle where the balcony used to be when this building was first renovated in 2011. We want to put that balcony back in there to add almost 50 seats so that every single service time we can reach that many more people for Jesus. I also want to show you the area upstairs that we're looking to remodel to better use our space and maximize it. Come with me. If you come here into our office space, we realize that we haven't fully utilized our space. We haven't maximized it yet, and we want to do it, especially as we see more and more kids coming on Sunday morning. We know that upstairs we're going to need another classroom for our elementary-aged kids. So we are working with an architect right now to reimagine this space and turn some of this area into a classroom. And, and I really want to show you back here, since not all of you have been upstairs in our facility, but we have this great big room back here that has never been fully utilized for what it could be, especially on Sunday mornings. We want to maximize this space so that we can help more and more kids follow Jesus for a lifetime, and you can be a part of that. <clears throat> okay. Thank you, Matt. So that's, that's a little bit of our Maximize project. That's the first half of it. And, and I want to tell you guys about this. You know, we've had our vision to seek the one, to, to, that we could be like Jesus, to leave the 99, to go after the one. Um, and somebody, people have been sending me in seek the one stories, and I've gotten a few really good ones. And one of them is from a, a gal in our church, and she sent me this email. And she said, my one came to church with me yesterday. This was a couple weeks back. She said, she had actually called me at the start of last week and asked me for a life update. 
I told her about my faith, and she said, wow, I'd love to come to church with you. It sounds like a place I might need. Fast forward. She was nervous, yet was surprised at her misconceptions on what church and Christians were really like. And the message made her really curious. We went to lunch after, and we talked for two hours about questions she had in my testimony. The Holy Spirit was moving, giving me words to say, when to say them, Bible verses to share. It was so beautiful. She said her friend is going to come back again. That's pretty incredible, right? We, we want to see people like that being able to physically bring their friends here. And that's why we need more space. We've got to maximize our space. And I want to tell you guys this. Since I think it's the last week in July, we have seen at least one person make a decision to follow Jesus every single Sunday with our services. That's pretty incredible, right? And every single Sunday, at least one person. And, and that means, like, as of this last Sunday, we've had 140 people indicate to us this year that they have made a decision to follow Jesus. That's incredible. Because our previous high was in 2019 with 66 decisions for Christ. That's incredible, right? 140, and we still got a month to go. Think we can get 150? Like, God, let's do it, okay? We're in. We want to maximize our physical space so that can happen and continue to happen every single week. So that's why we want to maximize our space. The second area we want to maximize is our environments. And this is taking the existing environments, particularly our kids' classrooms, but also like our entryway and, and cafe, and how can we maximize them so that they look and feel and are able to be used for the best of their abilities, right? To maximize them for the most production. So that part is actually the most expensive part of our project, $70,000, um, to upgrade the classroom signage, paint, all that good stuff. And, and we're doing it for the kids. I, I shared this text a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to share it again because some of you missed it. Someone texted me. They said, hey, Matt, my wife and our family just wanted to let you know that we really have enjoyed our time so far at Arise, and we appreciate it a lot. The music, the messages, the groups, the kids' resources. My boys love it. And I'm also pretty sure my nine-year-old daughter has never asked to go to church because she liked it so much before. Isn't that cool? That the kids are loving it and, and bringing their families with them. That's what we want to see. I was so excited to see Shannon Blackard, who has stepped up to be our interim coordinator for scheduling for kids' ministry. Um, she shared with me, yeah, she's done an incredible job the last couple months. She said, hey, my son James yesterday said, I want to get baptized. And she was so excited last week. And already, we haven't even picked, a, or I think we, we hadn't picked a date. I think we picked it this week for our next baptism. We had like four kids and teenagers signed up to get baptized next time. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. And we're so excited about that, that we're investing in that, not just with this project, but with our budget as well. And I'm excited to introduce, by a video, our new kids director, who's going to be starting in the office tomorrow. So let's get introduced to Brenna. Hello, Arise Church. My name is Brenna Lee Myrant. Um, a little about me, I am a newlywed. My husband and I just got married in June. Um, life together is really fun. Some of our favorite things are just being outside. We love walks in the park, hiking, um, rock climbing, camping. Yeah, we love being outdoors. If I can't be outside, I love to do things creative. So I'm always trying to do a craft or paint or something that I can just create. Um, a little bit about me, I've been doing ministry for the past six years. I started as an intern at Flatirons Church and then got hired on to continue to do kids ministry where I've been working ever since. I have loved it. God has taught me so much over the past six years and I found this opportunity at Arise and have been excited to see how God can use me here. And some of the things I'm very excited about, I've gotten to see 
oh, what he is doing here. And you guys are amazing. Um, as I've gone through the process of just getting to know Arise, you guys are so exciting. And I, I can see clearly that God is using you guys in amazing ways. Um, getting to visit you guys and see church here, all of you guys have this excitement and enthusiasm and passion for what's going on. And it's very evident that God is moving and growing you. Um, it's clear that you guys are growing, which I think is exciting and that shows health. Um, and I can't wait to jump in on that. Um, when it comes to kids ministry, I can tell that you guys already have some great things happening and so I can't wait to join that. Um, I know you guys have some exciting projects happening with the future and so when it comes to kids ministry I know one of those things is hopefully we get to add on a classroom um, and I'm excited about that because that gives us the opportunity to add more volunteers and to reach kids on the level that they're at. When we have a whole new classroom, it gives us the opportunity to buy kids more by their age level. And so they get to meet Jesus in a room that is kids more just at their age. And so they can ask the questions they need to, they can have a lesson that is more specific to them. Um, and I am so excited about that because that is what I am all about. Um, so when it comes to kids ministry, I think it's really important to share the why, why you do it, why you're passionate about what you do. And for me, the why is I want kids of the next generation in kids ministry to have those solid rocks that they can hold on to. Um, for when life gets really hard, when they're teenagers, when they're adults, they have that solid rock, that solid truth that will never change as life changes around them because I was blessed and lucky enough to have that. So I cannot wait to join you guys next week. I cannot wait to continue to build on what God is already doing and I cannot wait to meet all of you guys in person and get to know you guys better and to join your kids in the fun kids ministry you guys already have. So, see you guys later. All right, that's exciting. And Brenna's going to start tomorrow. You're going to see her next Sunday. We'll bring her up on stage. But some of you are like, I need to start serving in kids' ministry. That's my call. So, come next Sunday at 8 a.m. We're going to have a little quick thing with all the volunteers to get to meet and greet ben, Brenna next week. And if you're wanting to start serving, that's the place to go. Um, so, we're, we're excited about that. That's the second aspect is the environments. Um, and then the third aspect of our project is our online presence. Um, and we talked about it a little bit to update some AV, some camera stuff. And I want to tell you guys this because I get to have these conversations and a lot of you guys aren't even aware of it. But I've, I've talked with people at, at, around the Denver metro area, whether it's Broomfield or even down in Colorado Springs who watch us every week online who join us every single week, and they try to come in person when they can, but that's a little bit of a distance. I also talk with people in Grand Junction or Utah or Nebraska or Alaska or Maine who are watching every single week, or North Carolina and Georgia. Hello, guys, down south. We love y'all, okay? But they're watching every week. They're a part of our online community, and we want them to be a, a part of it too. It's not just about our physical space, but we've got to use our physical space to reach people all over the world, including, and I shared uh, online about this, I talked with a woman who came in person one time and then had to go home to Mexico to take care of um, someone in, in their family. So they're going to be there for a while in Zacatecas, Mexico. So hola, te amo. Uh, her whole family's watching every week. And she's eager to join an online community group uh, in the spring when those launch in February. So I'm telling you guys this, like we are helping people follow Jesus here and around the world. And we're, that's why this Maximize Project is all about. And that's why I'm asking you guys to give. 
I have one more story I wanted to, to share um, because we are called to produce, not preserve. And one of the amazing things about our Seek the One vision is not only that we seek the one, like as a church, but each individual seeks the one. So there's someone who, who came to Christ earlier this year, became a follower of Jesus, and she sent me this email this week. She said, hey, Pastor Matt, I hope this finds you well. I wanted to share an update with my one, some backstory. My dad has been severely depressed most of his life. He struggled with alcohol abuse for decades and has been sober now for 10 years with little to show for it. He had increasingly grown more angry, hopeless, isolated, and lonely. It became worse in the past few months and he became suicidal. He said living was torture and he made up his mind to end it. I went to go spend time with him so as not to leave him alone. It was the hardest time of my life. He had violent outbursts, destroyed things, talked about his suicide plan, and barricaded himself in his room, refusing to eat or drink. I called the authorities and it was a living nightmare, but I worked with the crisis team and the cops multiple times, but we couldn't do anything without his consent. She said, I, sh I did my best to share the truth, but he hated any words related to Jesus or Christ. He quit listening if he heard them, but I did what I could and I prayed constantly. Yet here's what he shared with my family just a few days ago and she, she screenshotted the message. So this is from her dad. Her dad said, I will forever refer to it as my miracle. To go from huddling in the corner of a shower with a razor blade to my throat, to a feeling of peace and serenity with a clear, quiet mind in 24 hours floors me. In that moment, cowering in the shower, I prayed. Thanks to my long ago Christian upbringing and more importantly, the love and faith of my daughter, it took 36 hours for me to realize it because I was cautiously optimistic and waited until I woke for the second day with a calm mind and true peace. That is when I knew for sure God is real. Jesus is real. I must acknowledge the Lord's love and role in my personal miracle. So then she said, a miracle to say the least, all glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for encouraging me to seek him. That's what we get to be a part of, guys. A church that seeks the one, that helps people follow Jesus and find eternal life, find hope, find community, get out of the despair and darkness and into the light of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. And there are 350,000 unchurched men, women, and children in a five mile radius of this church. We have work to do. So let's invest right now because we are called to produce, not preserve. It's our mission. And I hope it's clear for you guys, and I hope you will get on board. So I'm telling you guys all of this because I do hope that you will invest financially this December. We're asking um, you guys to give an end-of-the-year gift. You can give even non-cash giving now. You can give stocks and bonds if, if that will help you out and make it a, a way that you can give generously to this campaign. But this is what we're about as a church. And I have the QR code behind me because we're going to take our time of giving right now. Even if it's $5, it can help a lot. Can we produce more for the kingdom of God? I think we could. Let's maximize our space, maximize our environments, maximize our online presence to help more and more people follow Jesus together. Um, so if you have phones, you can get them out. We're gonna take a minute here. Band's gonna play a little bit underneath. You can take out your phones. You can give a gift right now, a Christmas gift, end of the year contribution. Um, we have um, white boxes on the way out of the auditorium, if you're here in person, if you need to drop off cash or checks today, we 
want to encourage you guys to do that. Um, and then as you guys are stepping in at a time of giving, um, and online, please give too. Like, this is for you guys as well. We're updating AV for you guys. So please give right now, whether it's um, online or risedenver.com slash give. You can send in a check. You can find the information on our giving page and, and how to give non-cash gifts. Um, but let's give right now. Let's give. So let's take a moment to do that. So some of you guys are continuing to do that. I want to tell you, because maybe you're new here and you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus. And we believe that following Jesus is the path to the best life now and the only path to eternal life later. That Jesus came not just to teach us what God wants us of, of us, but also to die on a cross in our place. To shed his blood, to forgive us of our sins so that we could be welcomed into heaven for eternity. We don't have to be afraid of hell or being cast out. We are welcomed because of his love because of his grace, because of his death on the cross. And I'm telling you this because somebody today hearing my voice needs to make a decision to follow Jesus today and receive that gift of eternal life. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond today and accept that gift and join us on the mission to help more people find eternal life and light and hope. So um, please close your eyes, everybody. Um, if you're able, close your eyes. And, and if, if you're a follower of Jesus already, repeat this prayer after me. And if you're ready to say this prayer for the first time, to accept Jesus' gift of his death and his forgiveness, please repeat this prayer after me out loud. Father, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and be filled with hope and help others follow you. Now with eyes closed, if you made that decision today for the first time, we do want to celebrate with you. We, we love it. We're so excited that you made that decision. So nobody else is looking. I'm looking. But, but I just want to be able to pray for you and encourage you. So if you made the decision today, on the count of three, slip your hand into the air. One, two, three. Put your hand into the air if you made that decision today. We are so grateful for all those who make a decision. If you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. Um, Lord Jesus, we worship you. And we want to stand before you at the end and hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. We want to share with our master's happiness forever. So, Lord God, we worship you and help us to go out from here today to help others follow Jesus and to seek the one. Pray this in Jesus' name.